Okay, so today I'm joined by Dr. Sean Gailey. I don't think I've ever called you doctor before. No, I don't think I but it's <laughs> a little weird. This is the first time for everything. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little first? Tell us where you work, what kind of what you do. Uh, so my name is Sean Gately. I'm a physical therapist and athletic trainer. Um, I am co-owner of Podium Sports Performance in Upland, California. I'm an adjunct professor at Azusa Pacific, um, as well as I work for Santa Ana College with their fire tech program. Um, primarily specialize in sports medicine, um, post-surgical rehab, but um, also do orthopedics and pretty much and try to help as many people as I can. Long resume right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you kind of want to tell us like what an average day in your life is, kind of what you do at work, um, that sort of stuff? The current, like my current setup with Podium, um, which is the clinic that, I, that I'm co-owner at, is varies day by day. Um, for the most part right now, because I'm not teaching this semester, um, I'm here pretty much every day about 8 o'clock, um, and it varies between a slow day is like 3 or 4 patients, a big day is 10 or 12 patients. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have um, some group training that comes in um, in the afternoon. Um, so the cool thing is that I can I can have like a little bit of a, um, a rush in the morning and then have two or three hours to catch up on um, mm -hmm. paperwork or go run errands or stuff like that. Um, we're writing um, some... Uh, classes that we'll be offering pretty soon so um, get time to do that and then the, what the days that I teach which is mostly in the uh, summer and fall then those days usually start at Azusa specific and then I finish here so fairly flexible depending on the day yeah um, so now we're gonna backtrack a little bit um, can you talk about your education kind of where you got your undergrad what you majored in Sure. Um, so uh, I took the long road um, to get my bachelor's degree so I, I graduated from Cal Poly Pomona um, and then I went right away to Oregon State University where I worked in the athletic department there uh, for two years. I got my uh, master's in public health and a master's in exercise and sports science. And came down here, worked at APU uh, full-time for four years, and then um, had an opportunity to go back to school to get my um, doctorate in physical therapy. And did that uh, February of 2007, and then graduated in December of 2009. And um, uh, worked at Casa Colina for about nine years as the director of sports medicine and then started this clinic um, kind of a, as a need for a lot of my um, college and professional athletes that um, don't want to go to like a traditional hospital. It's not um, uh, motivating to go work out, you know, and throw things around and do heavy weights when the person next to you is 65 years old, <laughs> had a total hip replacement and stuff. So we knew that there was a need in this area to have a specialized clinic that could provide um, uh, more of a one-on-one, -on -one, um, almost, like, almost like concierge type service. Um, so we opened this up. It was very part-time for a while, and then I was able to tip the scales where it made sense to come over here full-time. I'm just going to say really quickly that the way that you described Costa Colina was completely yeah. accurate. <laughs> it's a great place, but... <laughs> there are is. some 65-year-olds yes. there. Yes, definitely. Um, so when you were... A freshman getting your bachelor's degree, mm -hmm. did you come in declared as, or did um, you kind of I knew, explore? I knew in high school that I wanted to do something in sports. Um, my, we had an athletic trainer at my high school, and I was one of those athletes that I never missed a game, I very rarely missed practice, but I was constantly beat up. And so I spent a lot of time with the athletic trainer there, really got to understand what they do. Um, more than just kind of patrol the sidelines, like um, actually had to go in and do rehab and um, 
talked to him about the profession a little bit and, and kind of said, okay, I think this is the route that I want to go. And then I got into school um, as an athlete, and that's a hard major to do when you're an athlete because you have to do all the other hours and stuff. Um, so I wasn't able to really um, 100% go towards athletic training at first. So I kind of did um, more of a sports management route at first. So I took a lot of business classes. And then uh, when I was done being an athlete, that's when I could focus on and, and kind of mm-hmm. rehash the fact that I want to do athletic training. Um, the person that influenced me uh, to do both PT and athletic training was the guy that actually did the rehab on my shoulder, who was a PT ATC, and I didn't know you could do both. Um, and so we spent a lot of time together, and he kind of had the best of both worlds. He worked at a clinic, but then he could go cover football games at night or go cover a soccer tournament and have his hands in it. So I kind of knew the end game of what I wanted it to do. It was finding the route to get there um, that worked best for me and kind of my mm-hmm. schedule. How do you think that your experience as an athlete kind of impacts the way that you treat ath- your patients that are also athletes now? A lot, because um, you can show sympathy, you know, at times mm-hmm. that I can say, hey, I had the same thing happen, but you can also show empathy. Maybe it's not something directly that you had happened to you, but you understand what it's like to be injured and want to go play and want to get out there and the frustration of having to wait so your body's healed. And um, and so, yeah, no, I, help, I think it helps a lot <clears throat> because um, you are speaking from experience and not just from a textbook and you're not, mm-hmm. um, you know, reciting what you read, but you're going, hey, this is what I went through. And now, 20 years later, um, now I can say not only did I experience as an athlete, but I've also helped hundreds of other athletes along the way get back. So it's like it just kind of builds on itself. Yeah, definitely. So for someone pursuing physical therapy in the future, what would you say is like your biggest tip or piece of advice that you have? Um, first of all, you got to get in. And that's the hard part is it's very competitive to get in right now. Um, there are um, there's such a demand right now for physical ther- physical therapists that there's more schools opening up and the schools that exist are also opening the size of their program, but it also means that there's more applicants. Mm-hmm. Um, 10, 20 years ago, it was so hard to get a PT school that a lot of people didn't apply because they were like, well, I don't have a you know 3.8 GPA, I'm not going to get in. And then there was a period of time where it was like, you know, uh, the transition to the doctorate and a lot of people kind of said, okay, now I can get in. And, and you know, so they... The entrance requirements weren't lowered, but the their number of schools opening were far exceeding the people applying. And now it's at that equilibrium again, where there's a lot of schools, there's a lot of openings, but there's tons of people applying. So it's first and foremost, you have to get in, um, which means you have to have the grades, you have to have test scores. And that kind of sucks because I think at times we're leaving a lot of really good potential PTs behind that just maybe don't have a 3.7 GPA and I, you know, Maybe they're, they didn't discover what they wanted to do into their freshman year their, or their sophomore year. Their freshman year sucked, go grades-wise, and that brought them down. And, and really, they're going to be good PTs, just need the chance. So that's the number one thing. Uh, number two is you gotta, you got to love it. you got to um, really dive into the studying more than just what the teacher asks because you, you have to understand it. You can't just memorize it and go like, oh, this bone connects here and this bone connects here. You have to always dig for the why would that not work correctly or what, what's the dysfunction or the vast majority of your patients aren't going to be post-surgical, aren't going to be um, after a broken bone. They're going to be the people that aren't quote unquote broken, but they can't run mm-hmm. or whatever. So you just have to, you're, you're a constant student. If you think you um, graduate with a degree and you know everything, 
you're completely wrong. Like you're constantly learning new stuff because the research is 10 years behind the treatments. So I think that, you know, number one, you gotta get in. Number two, you know, dig deep and, and just be willing and open-minded to be a constant learner. Yeah, even as a freshman right now, I'm like, gotta keep my grades up. I'm yep. just gotta get ready <laughs> yeah. for grad school. It's the sad part about it. <laughs> huh. Okay, so you mentioned Casa Kalina and then how you decided to create Podium. What was kind of the reasoning behind that and the decision process? What drove you to make Podium? Um, I think the, I think the, uh, the number one driver is that I always knew I wanted to have my own place to be able to do more, um, and, and more is is kind of a general word, but, um, you know, in traditional physical therapy, um, you're typically getting 30 minute appointments. Maybe if you're lucky, you get a 45 minute appointment and, and at 345, your next appointment comes in. So if you're not done at 345 with your previous person, you almost feel like you're kicking them out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was always that one that would have two or three or four patients going on at a time because, you know, most of the athletes I work with are high school and college age. They have to go to class. So they can't come in until four o'clock. So then from four to seven, it was crazy. Um, And so that was kind of the initial thing was I knew I wanted to do it all along. And then when I got to CASA, and I think I developed a sports medicine program as far as um, CASA was willing to go um, on a financial investment standpoint, as well as a um, stretch of, you know, our, is this following our, our mission at CASA? Um, once I got them to that point, then it was kind of like I still had people calling trying to get in, and it was hard for, get, for them to understand why, you know, so-and-so doesn't want to come and work out here. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't they go here? Why do, they, why do you have to go to them? You know, there were times that I would literally go to an athletic field, kind of representing Casa and work on people. And then my boss is like, well, yeah, but when you leave the office, there's five people that want to see you, and you're just going to go see these two people. And I, you know, so it's, it was hard to get them to understand that. So we knew there was a need for it. Um, and to be perfectly honest, 75, 80% of the people that I treated at CASA could be treated by a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, there was nothing, I want to say special about the person, but there was nothing special about their injury mm-hmm. that a normal orthopedic physical therapist couldn't have treated. It was the 20% that I treated um, that were athletes that were coming back from severe injuries that needed to be able to get back in the field that I wanted to specialize in, and you can't tell your boss that. You can't say, hey, those 80% of the patients, we kick them over to that person. I just want to concentrate these because that's not a good... No, I don't want those. Just, yeah, just those. Exactly. And I liked all of them. I liked to work with all my patients, and I still work with a wide variety of patients, but um, I really, really liked, um, and I thought I was good at working with the athletes. Um, and so, um, literally, I was on um, a long break from work and just started doing a lot of thinking and just kind of said, you know, I think there's a need and started searching around looking for like, what's the, what's the reality of getting a place? Like what, how much would it cost? And I started talking to the guys that are my partners now and just said, Hey, is this something that you guys would be interested in? And I said, even if it was just part-time, even if I was here a couple hours a week or a couple hours a day um, in the weekends, you know, what's the feasibility of doing it? And so we put it all together, um, started working for about a year and a half where I would literally come in before work, lunchtime, after work, on the weekends, just kind of seeing people when I could. And it just all of a sudden got to the point where I, I almost needed to take days off of CASA to come work here. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how the evolution has been, at least for me. Um, and then now we're looking at, or we've titled it 2020 Vision, 
of you know, <laughs> I like that. Like, uh, good, good year. Um, Little punny. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, of like, what's the next step? Are we are we expanding physically? Um, are we expanding outside of here? Mm-hmm. Um, and to, like, how much do we want to take on? Um, because we're trying to keep it as much, just the, the three or four of us versus hiring people. Yeah. You know, do we want to bring on partners? Do we want to have a second location? Like, you know, maybe down by, we were talking about um, down by a couple of these uh, um, golf courses that specialize in like juniors and stuff like that, have mm-hmm. another location. So that's that's kind of the, the next evolution of it all. Okay, and then last question is gonna be, would you ever consider teaching full-time? Yes. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. I have always kind of mentally circled on the calendar, like at 50 years old, which is sadly not that far away now, <laughs> um, that I've only got so much, so much life in my hands, mm-hmm. you know, because I do a lot of manual therapy. And so I don't want to be 65 walking around with these, these arthritic, <laughs> you know, yeah. jacked up looking fingers and stuff like that. And so um, I've always kind of said like at 50 years old, by then I would legitimately have 26, 27 years of experience mm-hmm. in the education and the stories and the knowledge to be able to pass on. I feel like right now um, I have good case studies to bring the, the class, but I think, you know, stack another seven, eight years on that experience. And I think at that point, it'd be a good time for me to take that maybe 100% in the classroom. I don't know if I could ever give up the treatment aspect of it 100%. So it would have to be a good fit where I could still probably have this clinic um, at the same time. But no, I, it's, that's been in my mind for probably like five or six years now. That would be so sad if people <laughs> couldn't experience Dr. Sean Gately oh, anymore. <laughs> no, but I, like I said, I don't think I could 100% give up like the treatment, but going to more of a 30 or 40, or like 30, 35 hours classroom mm-hmm. and 10 or 15 here versus the other way around has always been kind of in the back of my mind. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure.